Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards, a podcast where we talk about how looking at life from another direction can change your life and can change your work and change change the world, really. It's, it's, it's that powerful. And I'm here today with my best friend and most esteemed co- uh, colleague, Judy Sedgman. So, yeah, Judy Sedgman feels the same way about Christine Heath. So we have a mutual mutual admiration society, which uh, has gone on for many years, but it's wonderful to have such a sweet, loving, and kind friend. So I'm very grateful. Most of our... Most of the comments we get from people are about our relationship on the podcast. So we, we did get one negative one, like you those two old ladies laughing yammering and away, yeah, yammering away. <laughs> yeah, yammering away. But um, uh, we appreciate the fact that you tuned in to us today and we hope that you will share this with other people. So the word gets out as to how looking at life from a different perspective can change your life. And just because Things have been one way for most of our life, and we've been taught things. Doesn't mean that it has to stay that way, or it has, or that it's even the correct way. That's what evolution yeah. is: is that we evolve out of a way of looking at things and into seeing something different. So we hope that you'll listen and evolve with us, because we're learning every every week. We do this; we learn something. Right. So today we got a request from a person who. Um, was um, trying to um, make money. And she was paying some people lots of money to tell her how to make money. And (laughs) to date, she was paying them more than she was making, a lot more. So (laughs) she she said, could we talk about this? And, you know, there's a lot of things um, in life that, are like this, you know, where we think that somebody else has the answer or has more wisdom than we do. And so if we study with them, and especially if you pay them big bucks, then you know that you, you're going to get something that's going to stick with you. Well, both of us have had clients who have spent their wad on trying to get somebody to tell them how to be a better coach or a better business person or a better therapist. And then they find us and think, I don't have any money anymore, but could you help me because I've, I've mortgaged my house to pay for this class or whatever they've done. So um, Judy and I, of course, do our program every week, twice a week for $30 a, a, a group, um, which is uh, pitiful in comparison <laughs> But you can definitely get the, the, the guidance you need to listen to yourself. And in the end, you're the only person that knows what you should do. So if you're in a really beautiful feeling, instead of trying to figure out how to make money so that you can be in a beautiful feeling, then <laughs> you will start to see how things can change for you. 
Now there's lots of people that do this. I mean, you know, we were talking about this. There's lots of uh, programs out there that people are um, enticing people to sign up for so that they can make more money. And when people actually take the classes, like I know there's one real estate thing where people kind of flip houses and they're told how much money they're going to make. Well, they don't realize how much work it is to renovate those houses and how much money it costs to do that before all that flipping thing can happen. And then you're not guaranteed that by the time you get it done, the market will still be in a good place. Like, you know, like right now, mortgages are, are rates are high, so people aren't doing it. So, you know, the trick in life is not to think that somebody else knows what you should do. And that's the same thing that can happen in therapy, where clients will come in and they'll want to be told what to do. And you know what, boys and girls, I don't know what anybody else should do. And no other therapist that I know knows what anybody else should do because we don't live in your world. We're not walking in your shoes. So what we can do is help you to get into the best state of mind that you can be in and then listen to your own wisdom and common sense to see what direction to go. But there's nobody in this world, no matter how much money you pay them, knows more about what you should do than you do. But you're not listening to that part of you that knows. You're listening to the part of you that thinks it should be something other than what you think because that's not working. So you're looking for more thinking, right? So the problem is, is that we're not taught to trust that wisdom, to walk into the unknown, to do something totally different and to trust yourself at the same time. So that's what we thought we'd talk about today. And that can come up, come about in lots of different ways, whether it's in, if you go to somebody for help, for, you know, coaching, you know, what's it, what do they call that? Um, personal life coaching or, um, yeah. Yeah, or business coaching, or yeah, yeah, or um, uh, therapy, or just you know parenting, or whatever it is that you think you need help with. If they're telling you things to do, you better be careful because they don't really know what you should do. But if they're teaching you, like, how does this all work? What's the principle behind working with other people, or finding your own happiness or being successful in life, then you want to listen to that, right? Because otherwise doing techniques and rituals and whatever, you, it'll be fascinating. You'll learn a lot of techniques and rituals, but that's not going to do it for you. Not going to change your mind. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had a client uh, several years ago who, uh, when I was <clears throat> working in a women's resource center who came in for, we, we did free counseling. And so it was uh, sort of the court of last resort for people that were desperate for counseling help and couldn't, uh, didn't have insurance or any way to get for it, get pay for it. So she came in and she had a huge amount of disability that was owed her, but it was under dispute for some reason, which I don't remember the details, but she now, uh, she'd come to me because, She'd run through all the money she could borrow from friends or family and everything that she had. And she was living in a kind of broken down trailer that somebody just let her live in before they were going to sell it. And she was very uh, scared and she wanted help getting her disability 
things straightened out so she could get this check and move on in life. And she had had a, uh, a traumatic, she, she had been diagnosed with PTSD and had had treatment and so on, but she had to go on disability. So she lost her work and she was afraid to go back to that work, even though she was kind of past the, the disability, the PTSD. So she's in there, she's saying, oh, I just don't know what to do. And I had to come here and get counseling because somebody has to tell me what to do. And I just have got to do something. And she just, all she could talk about is what, what she was going to do. And she was so overwrought. And so I said, well, how about if we start by calming down? That would be step one is to calm down so that I can even talk to you. So, you know, we just talked a little bit about life and um, about, you know, where she was staying and how she was managing. And, and um, she mentioned that all of her life, her hobby had been photography and that she still had her camera equipment. It was the last valuable thing she had was her camera equipment because she just couldn't bear to sell it because she could never replace it, you know, for what she paid for it originally. And she'd been taking care of it. And I said, well, what kind of photography do you do? And she said, well, uh, I do a lot of uh, nature photography and dogs and, you know, small animals and, you know, things that I see that are interesting. And I said, well, did you do that just for yourself or did you do it? You know, did you sell your work? What did you do with it? And she said, well, people kept telling me I could sell it, but I never, I had a job and I was busy and I never did. She said, I have a lot of beautiful pictures that I've taken over the years that I've never done anything with. And I said, do you still take pictures? And she said, yeah, it's the only way I can distract myself from how miserable I am. And she said, I find if I take my camera outside with me, I just feel better. You know, I start getting interested in what I'm seeing and I see images and, and, uh, and I said, so let me understand this. You're worried about not having any money. You have a big disability check coming, but you don't know when it's going to come. It could be months. You have nothing except your camera and all these pictures you've accumulated. And you think that you're poor. And she said, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's it. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Now, in, in a traditional therapeutic setting, somebody would have said, well, why aren't you selling your pictures? But I didn't do that because if she doesn't think of it, she's going to have, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Because if she had thought of it, she would have already done it. You know? <laughs> See, this is, this is the trick about our work is sometimes it's pretty obvious what a person might do. But until it's obvious to them, telling them to do it is just to engage their intellect and in thinking of reasons why that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could hear, I could sort of make up in my mind, you know, I don't have, I don't know how to call on people, blah, 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 blah. So I said, well, that's really interesting. I said, um, do you ever show your pictures to people? She said, well, I've shown them to friends. Yeah, she said, I've shown them to friends of mine. And I said, well, well what do they say? And she said, well, several people have asked me about them. I've asked me if I, you know, did I, if, like several people have recommended that they, they be made into cards or stationery. And, uh, but I have no idea how to do that. And I said, yeah, that's interesting. And I said, well, what would you like to do with them? And she said, well, I love them. You know, I, I cherish my pictures. I kind of don't want to part with them. 
And I said, well, do you still have, she was still using film. She was a really traditional photographer. I said, do you still have the negatives? And she said, yes. And I said, well, you could always print more. And she said, well, yeah, I suppose that's true. And I said, well, let's just talk about, you know, what you, what you spend your time with and what you enjoy. And, and she said, well, truthfully, I worry all the time. That's all I do. And she's going on and on and on about worry. And I said, well, when you're not worrying, what do you do? And she said, I take my camera and go outside. And I said, so your life consists of worry, 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 take pictures, worry, 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 take pictures. <laughs> she uh, said, yeah. And I said, what do you make of that? And she said, well, I guess it's the only thing I know how to do. <laughs> and I said, well, it, you're belittling yourself because when you told me about it the first time, you said how much you love doing it. She said, oh, I do, I do, I love doing it. And it turned out that her uncle was a photographer and he had taught her since she was a child. So after about 40 minutes of this conversation, which I was just asking her about her life and generally speaking, and she was really kind of calming down and, you know, we're getting closer. She said, you know what I could do? She said, I could take some of the scenic Florida pictures that I've taken and take them to um, make cards. And then I could sell the cards in like stationery stores or in gift stores or even the drugstores if they would take them. And I said, yeah, you could probably do that. She said, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> now, the funny part about it was it, it, it illustrates Chris's point. She knew what to do. And she was talking about it in a way that anybody that was listening would know that she could do that. But she didn't know she knew it. She didn't, when she was talking to me, she had no idea that she was describing a small business that she was perfectly capable of doing that would work out for her and that she could do what she loved. And finally, she said, you know, it's the only job I've ever really wanted was to be a photographer, even though she'd had some other job for years. And I said, well, you know, I've, in my experience, it's really nice when you can follow your heart you know, when you follow your heart into your work, because usually that works out for people. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, I can see why it would, because it does feel so good. She's the one thing I'm very positive about. I know I'm good. And then she started talking to me about all these things she knew about photography. And she was like on a roll. And when she left, she went to the front desk and she said to the lady, this is the most helpful counselor I've ever spoken with. And now I know exactly what to do. And so the volunteer came in after the lady left and she said, well, what did you tell her to do? And I said, I didn't tell her to do anything. I just found out what she loved and what she was good at. And then she thought of doing it. <laughs> and that's yeah. how it worked. No yeah. one can tell you what to do. And if somebody does that, what always happens when we're in that, when we haven't seen it, even if it's perfectly obvious when we haven't seen where our heart and, and soul and skill really is, we'll come up with a million reasons why that won't work. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and we'll, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that that's kind of what, what Sid, what Sid told me once was that money is just like everything else. It's spiritual. So yeah. It's just like everything in your reality. It's all being generated through thought in the moment from the state of mind. So if you get into a better 
uh, healthier state of mind. You're in a more beautiful feeling. That's a great story, right? As soon as she got into that feeling, then she had those thoughts before, but they were all attached to, I can't, I don't know yes. how to. Is, is she like all she could see were the impediments in her way rather than seeing that that was a really good idea. And if her, when her feeling changed, she could see how to make it happen. Right. right. And then right. the feeling of aliveness is there. Right. So if you guys are still trying to figure out how to do your life differently or your work differently and you don't have that feeling of aliveness, good luck. You're going to get more of the same because your thinking is not changing. It's you're going to the same thinking that created the, the, the life you currently have and you're looking to see how to do it differently. You have to be able to trust that your wisdom will come through if you let go of what you know and you start listening for your own guidance system to kick in. Because when you try to do what everybody else does, or tells you to do, it's crazy. Like even in my, um, my scent training, you know, we're preparing for competition again. So all my stories are going to be about scent training and dogs, I think for the next month. So prepare yourself. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, um, the, our, our dog sensei is, uh, in his former life, he was a, um, uh, a OBGYN surgeon, right? So oh he is very, um, uh, his expectations are very high for us and we've been training and he's volunteered his time for years now, helping us to prepare for this event. And, um, you know, I often laugh because frequently he's talking to us and it sounds clear as a bell to him. And we're kind of like, what, who, what do you want us to do? And, and he, he's, uh, he, he's, he used to get kind of really frustrated with us. As he's retired from his other job, he's calmed down and he's gotten his, his wife is, talks to him regularly. Like you have to be gentle with people, you know, and so she's coaching him along, along the way. But, you know, it's, um, it, when he's telling me what to do, I get really insecure because I start thinking about how I got to stop doing what I'm doing that's wrong. Right. And so I had to change in my mind. I, I, I recognize this in myself. I had a change in my mind. And when it's interesting because I told him, I said, don't focus on that with me. I need you to just tell me what you want me to do that's better. I can do that. And then, and so he did. He started doing that. And then I was able to listen, not from what am I doing wrong, but, oh, I could do it this way. Okay, what do I know about myself and my state of mind and how that affects me and my dog? How do, what do I know about how state of mind works in dogs even, right? And so uh, as a result of it, um, I'm not getting so stressed about it, right? So it's like nobody, he knows a lot more than I do about dog training, but I have to see it for myself. I have to wake up. So I'm, I have to listen for me, for what do I want to do? What, what's the feeling I want to have here? What will help the dog here rather than focusing on what I'm doing wrong? And that's just, that's you got to, you know, when people tell you do this, do that, do this, do that, and you're listening for the content of what they're telling you. You want to listen for what's the point of what they're saying. Like what, what makes sense here? So I'm not saying they don't have some good things to tell you to do. But, you know, in this particular case, the woman had 
spend a lot of money on, on spiritual classes to make more money, which that in and of itself, I think, is suspect. But, um, <laughs> you know, because they say that it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes I, I think there's a lot of truth in that because it looks yeah. like money will give us security. It looks like having money will make us successful. But mm-hmm. that's not it. It's the other way around. You go for success and then you'll be taken care of. All of your needs will be taken care of. And Judy and I are an example of that because we don't make yeah. big bucks. We're not millionaires. We're not making, you know, 10 grand a year uh, off of a training program. But somehow all of our needs are taken care of. Somehow yeah. it all works out. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I interrupted you. Okay. All right. Well, I was going to say one of the things that I, when I first started uh, doing business consulting on my own with the principals, I had no idea what to charge. And I, I knew the consultants charged a lot of money and I didn't feel comfortable doing that because the principals were not known in the business world that well. And, you know, coming in and talking about state of mind, that's something when you talk to leadership, they would go like, oh, no, no, I want practical. I want a binder. I want, you know, I want a list of techniques. I want you to teach people to do things. And, of course, that's not what I was doing. So I, came, I had this moment where it just occurred to me, well, they, they hire consultants all the time. And they expect a certain outcome. And so I'm going to tell them. I don't know what I'm going to charge you. You have to decide what you want to pay me. And you have to wait until we finish and you see how it works out. And then you pay me what it's worth to you. And that was a deal that nobody could turn down because all I asked for was transportation and a decent hotel. Didn't have to be the rich, just a decent hotel and the opportunity to eat something other than fast food. While I was working for them, I didn't have to be great, but I didn't want to be eating junk. And so they would say, okay, fine. No, we'll, we'll buy, we'll buy you. They, half of them even bought first class tickets because that's how they flew. And, uh, you know, they would put me up in a hotel and pay for the meals. And so I was taking a risk and I was bearing the whole risk of the training failing because it, all it cost them was, you know, a trip and meals. Well, I remember the first time I did it, I was, I was a little bit insecure because I thought, you know, this doesn't go well. And the CEO was at the training. And I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter because I believe, in, I believe so deeply in what I'm doing. I was so committed to it. And it really was my calling. It was deep inside of me that this is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to help people find peace of mind no matter what. And the business world that I was working with, healthcare executives, was it was so stressed at the time. The whole industry was in a state of total stress, kind of still is. But um, so I went and I did the training, and it was seemed to be very nice. The people really liked it. They were very surprised because there were no notebooks and no <laughs> no slides. You know, we just talked, but and we talked, and then they talked to each other, and then we talked, and but it worked out. And I felt really good about it when I left. And the CEO said, well, do you want me to pay you? And I said, no, no, not today. I said, I'm, I'm, I've got the return ticket home. I said, I, our deal was that you had to see how it plays out. And your goal was to get this team to start working together. 
So you wait and see if they start working together. And if they start working together well, then you send me a check. And he said, you trust me? And I said, I know it sounds a little crazy, but yeah, I do. (laughs) I trust you because I think you're a good person. And I don't think you're going to lie to me. Plus, I know how to call some of your team members. (laughs) So, (laughs) So he just laughed. And I went home. And 10 days later, I got a check for so much money that I sent it back and said, this is too much money. (laughs) (laughs) Only you would do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was just like too much money. I was like, I cannot possibly have done this. This this is way more money than I expected. Well, so I sent it back to him and I said, really, thank you very much. I'm so happy to know that things worked out and the team is doing well. And, you know, if you need me to follow up, I'd love to do that. But this is really way more money than then you need to pay me. And he sent it back to me and he said, let me be the judge of that. There was just a little sticky note on it said, let me be the judge of that. And he sent the check back to me. <laughs> it was really funny. That's so, great. But I remember that was such a lesson to me because I realized that if you are working from your heart with full faith, heart and soul, that you're doing the right thing, that you're doing something that you really want to bring into the world that you care about, um, you will get paid for it somehow, you know, and, and it, you can't, if you start trying to put a price on it and, you know, ratchet it up or decide what percentage of this and that and get, you know, get into the usual business model, it, it really takes the joy out of it. So I worked for several years on that basis with people. I never gave them a number. Of, and the best part about it was because I was working with the corporate world and they were paying me what they thought it was worth, what they paid other consultants, I could afford to work with nonprofits for nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. so I would work with like the homeless shelters and places, Mm -hmm. you know, that I knew they didn't have money to pay somebody to do a training or do anything that would help people. And I could do that because I was making enough money in my corporate work that I didn't need to charge every single person. So I had a really happy life, you know, just getting by. I wasn't living high on the hog or anything, but that's, you have to realize that life is about value. It's about the value of your happiness and your peace of mind and your contentment and your passion for what you do more than it's about how much money you make. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's just one other thing with it. It's, it's there's a little magic that happens when you stop thinking money will give you security. Right. Is that somehow it works out that you get taken care of. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like actually my husband and I were, um, we both bought new cars this year and um, we have, uh, we refinanced our house, you know, so that the mortgage went from 30 years to 15 years. So the price went up. And we're kind of used to not having to think about money, you know, right? We just buy what we want and it's no big deal. And then it was like, oh man, I, I, I got to pay attention here. I, I, I'm like, well, we're not, I, I, I don't have enough money in my account here to pay this bill. I got to kind of finagle things a little bit. And I, and I, so I, I told him, I said, um, let's, let's, we always save coins for a rainy day. I said, I think we got to take the coins in because uh, well, your son's birthday is coming up and we need to send him a present. So, but then we forget about it, you know, and we just go on in our day. And then he walked in the other day and he says, I don't know, honey, I, I think we may, might have to like 
start having a spiritual practice. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, now this time we need some more money. And um, our friend just brought us this man who wants to lease uh, the nine acres on the other side of the road and start farming it. I was like, score. Well, how much does he want to pay? <laughs> and he, so he tells me, I said, oh, that's too much. I can't believe it. that must be a year. So, but at, at any rate, you know, it just kind of like dropped into our lap. And stuff like that will happen, but not if you're trying to make it happen, right? You can't, you don't have wish, like Sid, Sid was talking about the, the, um, that book, The Secret and manifesting what you want, blah, blah, blah. And he said, he said, it's just wishful thinking. You know, it's like you have to do your life. You have to come from wisdom and then you'll be taken care of if you use common sense. But right. if you don't and you're not coming from that place, I don't care how much, how many times you think I'm going to make a billion dollars, unless you put the energy into it and do the work, you're not going to get a billion dollars. And then and you might if not. If you have. put the energy into it from your heart, that's you'll right. Lose, you'll lose your desire to have a billion dollars and decide enough is enough. You know that's part of it too. That's, but that's people have to do the work from their heart. Honestly, that's the most important advice you could ever give anybody in life is somebody says, what should I do? Do what you love. Yes. And follow your heart. Yeah. Right. Don't let your insecurities trick you into not doing something. Right. And with so, that. Yeah. Wish you very, uh, happiness and success in all you do. <laughs> so from the heart. And we will see you next week. I think we're talking, going to talk about gratitude for Thanksgiving's coming up for all of us. And we thought we'd yeah. talk a little about gratitude. So we'll see you next week. Okay. Take care. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 